What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchipudi and your boy, Ty, Ben. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Another beautiful Friday. It was negative 10 degrees last at this time last week, and now it's like 55 degrees. I don't know what's up with the weather, but I'm loving it. It's a beautiful day in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Tyler, how are you doing on this on this Friday, I don't know how it is by you, but every day is a good day if it's a Friday. It's New York. It's brick outside with a little bit of sun. You know the vibes. It's the Northeast, the trifecta, the tri-state area, according to Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Before we get into anything, we got to talk about the king, man. We got to talk about the king. We would all know damn well if you're a sports fan. You've seen it. You've heard it. You've seen the clips. Everybody got their phones out. LeBron James now stands at 38,390 points in his career, which makes him the all-time leading scorer in the National Basketball Association. Ben, round of applause for LeBron James. Absolutely, it's amazing. Seeing that that game, uh, it, it struck a nerve. Because I don't know about, you, you know, wh- whatever age group you might fall into the, to the listener. But when I, I, as soon as LeBron was drafted, a couple weeks later or a month later, I was born, right? So my entire life has just been basically LeBron's career up until this point. And it's been weird because he's our guy, Ben. He's, he's our generation's dude. You know, that's, that's, that's our Michael. You know, that's, that's our Kareem. Whatever you want to say, that's, that's our guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And seeing him throughout his career go through the trials and tribulations that he's gone through really shows something that not many athletes can share with him. It's just his capacity to keep on going. I have never seen an athlete more hated in, in a career than LeBron James. And I don't know where this hatred come from. He's, he's a great man, a philanthropist, a family man, never cheated, never did, did any substances, nothing, didn't do anything in his career. The squeakiest clean of athletes I've, I've seen. And he's still one of the most ridiculed, hated individuals, and I don't, I don't understand it. And passing this record, I think there was a moment where everybody just shut up and really realized what this man has you know, done for the sport, what he means for athletes all over the world, what he means for people of African-American descent and certain impoverished communities, what he's done. And it was a really amazing to watch. I wish it was a skyhook that he broke the record on. but That would have been something. Poetic. Yeah, that would have been very poetic. But seeing that happen, it's been absolutely awesome. And however many more years you want to go after LeBron, just, just know one thing. We all got your back. I'm one of your biggest fans, LeBron. And thank you for all the basketball memories. You know, this seeing this, it would have been nice if the Lakers actually won that game. The th- Shout out to the Thunder, though. for the, um, They are... Uh, they didn't care about all the noise of LeBron dropping, <laughs> yeah. um, breaking the record, stopping mid-game with the with the speech and everything. Thunder played their game; they won. But with the with LeBron James, it was it was awesome to see him break that record live. Just a standing ovation that he rightfully deserves. Yeah, top two player of our top two player of all time. Say what you want. Um, if you think LeBron's the goat or the second best of all time, it don't matter. Just the millions of people watching LeBron break the record on live TV. It's just such a surreal moment. I don't think I've seen a moment that's surreal ever since the late Kobe Bryant's last game, God rest his soul. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I just think that it was it was awesome to see. Um, and yeah, about the whole GOAT debate, I think it is silly, but I think that there is an S tier and him and Jordan are in it. But let's go on to the devil, the demon, the elephant in the room, the trade deadline, Ben. You know, let, oh, let's start with let's start with LeBron's crew. As we all know, LeBron does play for the Los Angeles Lakers, and they made a couple of moves these past a couple of years. They made just a, a few blockbusters. We're gonna start with the big one. We knew it was coming. Russell Westbrook and a 2027 first round pick to the Utah Jazz. Lakers received Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from the Jazz, as well as former Laker Mr. Ice in My Veins, D'Angelo Russell from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, the Timberwolves got Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, three second-round picks, and the Jazz got Russell Westbrook, who's going to be bought out, a 2027 first from the Lakers, Juan Toscana-Anderson, and Damian Jones. Tyler, what do you think about this trade for all three squads? But let's start with the Lakers because we obviously know this was the they. I think they won this trade. I do think they won this trade. A thing that they lacked was shooting and general playmaking, efficient playmaking, I should I might add, from the point guard position. Um when Russell Westbrook was on the floor and that whole starting lineup was there, there was absolutely no shooting, no spraying the floor. LeBron would go in the lanes, they would clog him, AD would clog in the lanes. But Delo adds a certain three-point threat to the lineup. And I absolutely love this acquisition by the Lakers, bringing back an old town hero. Uh, now he's a little bit more mature. He's a little bit more poised. He's faced some adversity in Minnesota, and he's also had some experience from when he played in Brooklyn. I think this is a nice, mature D'Lo that they're going to get. And I don't think it's going to be major changing because, as we're going to discuss, the West got very, very dangerous. But it's definitely going to really help out this Lakers squad. Also, Malik Beasley, highly underrated. I love Malik Beasley as a player. This is someone I yeah. wanted my Knicks to get. Just good shooter. Averages a cool 13 to 15 off the bench. He could put up 20 and in that given the minutes. He's just, I just love him as a player. It's, and Jared Vanderbilt, very underrated defender. Plays a lot of grit and tenacity. He's just a perfect fit, whether it comes off the bench or starts. Absolutely. And Malik Beasley, something that we, we see with from LeBron rosters that win championships or make it very far is surrounding him with shooters, right? He's as he claims himself, he's a very pass first wing. And that shows, you know, you've had the Kyle Corvers, the Channing Fries, the J.R. Smith, the Ray Allens. Now, I know it sounds weird, but you have Malik Beasley, D'Lo, guys that can stretch the floor. And Jared Vanderbilt is awesome because he's almost averaging nearly a double-double with 8 points per game and 7.9 rebounds per game. So the defense and the rebounding is going to increase. And the general size of the Lakers got bigger because when they removed Pat Bev, everybody just got a little taller, which, you know, we always know, Ben, length does help a little bit. It does. It does. Absolutely. But to move on, I think we got to jump, you know, still in this Western Conference. We got to address probably the biggest, most groundbreaking one is the in, Phoenix Suns. I think we got to talk about it. In years. This is, I don't think I've seen a trade like this. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it because for me, the Suns were in somewhat of a dark horse candidate for, for acquiring uh, Kevin Durant. I mean, we discussed before, Ben, that Kyrie Irving was definitely in the mix. But let me just break it down for you. A four-team deal, mind you. The Suns received only Kevin Durant, the Almighty, and TJ Warren. And TJ Warren. No, yes, don't and TJ Warren. Of course, you know, the bubble MJ. Now, mm -hmm. get this for the Nets. The Nets' haul is kind of interesting. Mikel Bridges, Cameron, Cameron Johnson, Juan Pablo Vallette, a 2023 first-round pick from Phoenix, 
a 2025 first-round pick from Phoenix, a 2027 first-round pick from Phoenix, a 2028 first-round pick swap from Phoenix. They got a second-round pick from Milwaukee, another 2029 first-round pick from Phoenix, and a 2029 second-round pick from Milwaukee. Keep in Whoa. mind, all these first-round picks are unprotected. Unprotected, mind you. Now, let's, let's move on. We can come back to the picks. The only thing the Bucks received in this four-team deal was Jay Crowder, which I think is an incredibly underrated acquisition for Milwaukee. Love Jay and, the, and the Pacers received George Hill, Serge Ibaka, George Nawara, three future second-round picks from Milwaukee, and cast considerations from Br- Brooklyn. This trade got a lot. And honestly, I think all the teams involved won to some degree. They all got what they wanted. You know, the Suns... I said this on the last podcast. I think this was their last true year to contend unless they got someone like Durant. And they made out, and they went out and got that guy. And now the Suns, most lo- definitely the favorites in the Western Conference to win it all. Also, T- bringing back TJ Warren, solid score off the bench. Brooklyn also got what they wanted. It's not like these get, they didn't just get straight picks and like young, unproven players. Mikel Bridges is a very underrated player in this league. And Cam Johnson provides the shooting. And all the picks, we don't know where the Suns are going to be in a few years. Chris Paul is getting up there in age. Kevin Durant's getting up there in age. Hooker and A and fit together. Yeah. So I think the Nets got exactly what they, what they wanted. That you know they also received an offer from the, the the Grizzlies were also lobbying hard for Kevin Durant, but the they wanted they wanted John Moran, Jaron Jackson, or Desmond Bain. I know the Grizzlies weren't going to budge in that. The Bucks five seconds for Jay Crowder seems like a lot, but Jay Crowder when he plays, he's always just a very valuable piece. He's yeah. just a three, another three in the vet that you you desperately need on any championship team. And the Pacers, they had a solid start to the year, but it's kind of obvious that they're looking to sell and rebuild. Getting George Hill and Serge Ibaka, who they're probably going to buy out. Jordan Noir is a, a solid young player. And getting cash in some second-round picks just needed for a team that's rebuilding. So honestly, I have no problem with any of these moves. Like, all these teams knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Nets just flipped it up on their head, and now they're in the Thunder category of controlling the draft capital coming up with these upcoming drafts. But also, I think they got some studs. I think Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson were awesome on that Phoenix squad, and now they're just going to get increased minutes, increased sets, increased schemes. Those guys are going to ball out. Um, My only concern, though, was the Suns getting rid of them because... The One of the reasons the Suns succeed so much is their bench, right? They have this plethora of different rotational players, and those guys, they shipped to Brooklyn. So the only guy they got in you know, return was TJ Warren, but TJ Warren's going to have to carry that bench now, but their starting lineup is extremely, extremely deadly, Ben. Absolutely. This one of the best starting fives I've seen, honestly, since the Warriors, back when they had KD. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead, Moving ben. on. Oh, uh, Tyler, you you go ahead first. I think we had the same uh, bandwidth because, you know, we're like the same person, Ben. Let's go to Katie's brother because we theorized his departure. And one of the places we mentioned, he did go. I think I called it on. I think I called it with this one. Yeah, you might have nailed it on the head, Ben. We knew Dallas wanted a running mate for Kyrie. I mean, for Doc, for Luca, my mistake. And they got it with Kyrie. They gave up Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. The 2029 first in two seconds. And like I said last week, I knew this wasn't going to be as big of a package as much people expected because Kyrie's a free agent the following offseason, and we don't know if he's going to re-sign with Dallas. But the Mavericks, giving up Dinwiddie and Vinny Smith hurts. They're good players off the bench. 
But I think Dallas has a, has developed some of their bench players well enough, namely J- Jaden Hardy and uh, Josh Green, that they can um, replace those guys in in um, production. And getting Kyrie, one of the best offensive threats that we've seen in years, to go alongside Luka, another one of the best offensive threats we've seen in years, is just an amazing move. But the one problem I see with this is defense. Dorian Finney-Smith is one of the better defenders in the league. And come playoffs, the Mavs are going to have some problems trying to guard opposing teams' best players, going against the Durants, the Bookers, the Steph Currys, the John Morants, even like the Anthony Edwards and the De'Aaron Foxes of the world. Yeah, It's going to be tough for Dallas defensively, but offensively, this is a home run for them. No, absolutely, Ben. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think Dallas right here was going for a full frontal shootout lineup. You know, they wanted to go for heavy hitters with Kyrie. And Kyrie, a very underrated playmaker. He he makes everybody around him better when he plays. Couple that with Luka's effect on the court. Everybody's play is going to be uh, increased. But yes, defense is a big factor. And I think their playoff series are going to be very big shootouts. They're going to push 115, 120, 130 point games because it's just going to be these big plethora of of point percentage and brooklyn had to blow up ship and from we have a quote from Kyrie where he was glad kevin durant got out of brooklyn yeah. so I, there was some sort of animosity there but i guess brooklyn cut their losses just fully blew it up and not only Kyrie but katie got what they wanted in the end um but shout out to ben simmons who has to deal with that and i wonder what they're going to do with him going forward i just want to i just want to bring up brooklyn one more time over the summer, numerous times I mentioned this, we talked about Brooklyn's downfall and how it was inevitable. Yeah. And now we got it. Brooklyn got is it. back to where they started with the young un- with the young players, a plethora of picks, and they're not going to be that contending team that everyone expected them to be. The, the complete dysfunction of this front office is amazing to me. Like, I've, I've dealt with James Dolan for years, and I don't think, this, I don't think it's been as bad as this. Yeah, you have a big three of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving a year ago, and one cal- and three hundred sixty-five days later, they're all gone. They only played sixteen games together, Ben. They only played sixteen games together as a trifecta. And looking at this now, and the couple of quotes and certain packages, and also the rumor, supposed rumor that Joe Side refused to send Kyrie to the Lakers. Maybe it proves that Kyrie wasn't the bad guy this whole time. You know, maybe he wasn't the villain. It was really the organization. And it's it's very, very interesting because I, I, as long as Brooklyn's going to be a franchise, they're always going to live in the Knicks' shadow. And I guess they built a house of cards and it finally tumbled. But to all people involved, I hope they all, you know, win in their respective uh, situations right now, whether you're Kyrie, KD, or James Harden. But it, it it just goes to show that you can't buy a team and expect them to do anything. You know, there's egos involved, there's chemistry involved, there's certain play styles and schemes and fits and plays. It, it, it's really interesting. But Brooklyn, nice try, but this should be a an example for all sports that you can't really just stack a team and expect stuff to happen. Yeah, this was this is honestly not just the biggest what if in NBA history. This might be the biggest what if in sports. Definitely. This is it's, one of the most talented big threes, most one of the most offensively talented big threes ever, and it just collapsed in a year. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Ben. Absolutely. So let's 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 move on to some more trades. I think we gotta discuss the Lakers' second acquisition uh, regarding the big man and also Patrick Beverly's departure. So on February 9th, there was a four-team trade involving the Nuggets. 
The Nuggets received Thomas Bryant, you know, Lakers legend Thomas Bryant. Yep. Uh, so, and the Lakers received, the Nuggets received Thomas Bryant. The Lakers received Mo Bamba, Davon Reed, and a second round pick. The Clippers received Bones Highland, an underrated scorer, and the Magic received Patrick Beverly and a 2024 second round pick from Denver and cast considerations from Los Angeles. Ben, how do you feel about the Mo Bamba fit with the Lakers? The Mo Bamba fit, it's, you know, Mo Bamba's needed a change of scenery for years. I never understood the pick when he got drafted sixth overall back in 2018 because this was back when they had all-star Nick Vucevic, and he was always going to be in the shadow. And then when they shipped off Vucevic to um, Chicago, they drafted, uh, they got Wendell Carter back, who was taking a pick after Bamba, and now he's starting, and he was starting over him the whole time. So I never, I just never thought Mo Bamba got dealt a fair hand in Orlando, and he's, and the Lakers said he was going to start. So I'm really excited to see how he plays in LA because he was a very talented player coming out of Texas back in 2018. Yep. One of the best shot blockers in the nation's got a nice little jump shot, one of the longest wingspans, and he's just been a talented player. I've, you know, people. I mean, a lot of people I feel know him because of the song, but he's just a. He's always been like a talented player, a good defender, and they just never Orlando just never got to tap into that potential. So I'm glad he's getting a fresh start in LA. And I think this is gonna be a good fit for him. I feel like him and Anthony Davis down low, two elite shot blockers, is gonna be pretty scary for teams. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think Mo Bamba, I've always been a fan of his physique and like like if I if I were to create a perfect big man, you know appearance-wise, it'd look more like Mo Bamba. You're pushing 6'11", 7 feet tall, nearly an 8-foot wingspan. It's kind of insane. And it, it's just like, it's perfect because Anthony Davis hated playing the 5 position, but now he gets to go back to his favorite position, the 4, and Mo Bamba can play that dirty, gritty, rebounding shot blocker role for the Lakers. And if coached right and handled right, this team could turn around very quickly and become um, the Lakers that we once feared to some degree. But... Moving on within this trade, how do you feel about Patrick Beverly being shipped to the Magic? Do you think that they did Patrick Beverly wrong? Do you think this is too late? You know, it was really funny. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Patrick Beverly gave a little, uh, he took a little shot at Sham Sharania talking about how Woj has been in the weight room, has been bodying Shams. And Shams was the first one to tweet that Beverly got traded. I thought that was really funny. It's pretty funny. I go a lot of you. But with Beverly, I mean, I feel like he might have been dealt an unfair hand. I've he's gonna get bought out by the by the Magic. There's just no reason there for him to be there. I thought the I thought the feel with the Lakers is good, and I feel like they're gonna miss his presence. You know, as annoying as Beverly may be on the court, he's one of the better defenders in the league. He's a gritty player. He plays with heart. He plays with ferocity, and I think the Lakers are missing that, especially with guard off the bench. I think the I think um they could have tried to give up someone else instead of Patrick Beverly, but you know that move is over now. He's gonna find a new home somewhere else. But the most important facet of this four team trade that I want to talk about, the Clippers got an absolute steal in Bones Highland. I don't know what the Nuggets were thinking with the with trying to move him for second round picks, but. Bones Highland is one of the shiftiest players I've seen in this league. He's averaged over 10 points his last two years in the league. And um, he's going to provide needed scoring off the bench for the Clippers. And if the Nuggets got maybe a veteran guard in this, I would have been fine with it. But I don't think um, I don't think they should have given up Bones that easily. And the Clippers, I just want to get into them a little more. I think they won this. I think 
they're one of the huge winners of the deadline. We're going to get to their moves later, but Bones Highland is just the start of it. I love I loved him as a player, and I think LA is really going to enjoy him. Because I don't know if you've seen – you've definitely seen Bones Highland play. You know the boy can put the ball in the basket. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's incredibly shifty. He's pushing that Jordan Poole level of just shifty dribble moves and momentum shifts and slowing the game down to his pace. And I think the Clippers are going to have a really interesting move going forward because – I know they're in the pursuance of Russell Westbrook, you know, if he's bought out by the Jazz. So if they can't acquire him, does Bones start? Because as we know, we'll get to shortly, John Wall was moved to the Rockets. So it's like, what are they going to do with that number one position? And can it pair well with Paul George and Kawhi and the rest of, you know, the supporting cast? But I think the Clippers did get quite a steal in this and no one's really talking about it. And I think Bones Highland's going to really come out and be like, damn, the Clippers really stole that one. But yeah, I want to talk about the Clippers a little more. They also got two very solid bench pieces. They traded Reggie Jackson for um, Mason Plumley from the from the Hornets, and they really needed a backup big man behind Zubach. They're really lacking size, and Plumley started the last few years in Charlotte, and he's just going to be a nice vet off the bench. But this might have been my favorite move from the Clippers, getting Eric Gordon, former Clipper, back over ten years ago, and they gave up John Wall and Luke Kennard. Eric Gordon is. Has been in Houston, rotting away on the bench for the last two or three years, so and he can still put the ball in the basket at a high rate. He's still a great shooter, and he and um he provides well much needed shooting off the bench for any contending team. So I love this move for Eric Gordon, giving us someone like Luke Kennard hurts. But honestly, I like Eric Gordon better. And John Wall didn't fit in LA. We just knew that. But getting at but swapping out Luke Kennard, John Wall. And Reggie Jackson with Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumley. It's a good. It's a good move for. It's a good deadline for the Clippers who are looking to start themselves at the top again. Absolutely, I think they got rid of things that held them back, like weights on their shoulders or anchors on their ship, and replaced them with things that they needed and that the medium wanted them to get. Their you know fans wanted them to get, and I think they really nailed it on the head. You know, God willing, everybody is healthy and happy and can move forward for that Clippers organization. But Ben, I want to get to something that's going to hit home for you. Oh yeah. 76ers and the Hornets and the Knicks and the Blazers were involved in a four-team transaction. Let's let's get down and dirty with it. 76ers receives Jalen McDaniels, the 2024 second-round pick from Charlotte, and a 2029 second-round pick from Portland. The Hornets receive Siv Mykaluk, uh, the shooter the, from the Lakers from way back when, but they got him here. A 2023 second-round pick from Philadelphia and a 2027 uh, second-round pick from Portland. The Trailblazers got a haul, and we're gonna, I'm going to mention this in, in a little bit because I think they're a huge winner here. They got Cam Reddish, Matisse Thybul, Ryan Ar- Archidiakono, and a 2023 first-round pick from New York. And the Knicks, as you know, uh, Jalen Brunson finally got his Villanova buddy. He got Josh Hart. Ben, what do you think from a Knicks fan about Josh Hart and the departure of Cam Reddish? You know, first and foremost, I just wish we kept Ar- Archie because I wanted to keep the Nova boys around, but that's that's all that's all right. I, I love Archie anyway. I think this move was well needed for the Knicks. People might have thought we gave up too much. I thought at first when I I thought it too when I saw a 2023 first, but it's lottery protected, so if we don't make the playoffs this season, we get that pick and it converts to two to four seconds if um if we make the playoffs. And Cam Reddish, you know. I was a huge fan of that move when it went down at this point last year because he's RJ's boy from Duke. That was going to be a plan against Zion. Arguably the most talented player on that Duke team. And um, he just got dealt a bad head. I don't think Tibbs ever really liked him that much. He started in the beginning of the year, but he just never. But ever since uh, 
they switched the rotation to nine guys. The Reddish just fallen out and never got a chance again. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for him that he's getting his opportunity in uh, Portland. But for Josh Hart, I love this move. Josh Hart is he's going to be a great player off the bench for the team because the Knicks have lacked some depth and have lacked some depth. It's really just been Emmanuel quickly kind of carrying the bench for the team. But Josh Hart can create his own shot. He's a good shooter, great defender, and one of the most un- and one of the best rebounding guards. He's averaging over eight boards a game currently, and I love just I love Josh Hart coming back to, with Jalen Brunson, the Nova connection. I think both of them on the court, they're just gonna they have that mindset. They know uh, they know this. They know how they play. So I think this is a great move for the Knicks. They needed someone to bolster their bench, and they got that guy in Josh Hart. So I'm happy about it. Do you think Josh Hart is on the bench? Because I, I feel like in some rosters he might start for Tibbs. He's, I don't. I doubt he's gonna start. I think Tibbs loves Quentin Grimes too much to bench him personally. Interesting, interesting. I think the Blazers absolutely destroyed it. I I love this for the Blazers because Dame is gonna get like this this help. You're gonna get Matisse Thybul, a phenomenal three and D player, one of the better defenders, who is rotting away for the Sixers because ever since the acquisition of James Harden, he's been losing rotational minutes, and then Tyrese Maxey's been playing well, so he's losing minutes there. So he was slowly coming out of the rotation, and this is perfect for his career to go to Portland, who really lacks the wings, you know? You have Jeremy Grant, sure, but, like, you can come right in and do your thing, and Cam Reddish in Portland, I feel like, could have way more freedom than Tibbs was going to give him in New York. And... If played right, you can see the emergence of Matisse Thibault and Cam Reddish really get, you know, a good footing in Portland and really find a home there. And if it works out, Damon Lillard is going to love that. We'll have to see because I feel like this is also more of like a, a rebuild move for them because Cam Reddish on tap potential. See what he got there because I don't think Portland's going anywhere. Their team just isn't good enough to make it out of the West. And get, trading away Josh Hart, who is on an expiring deal, and getting a first also, even to convey to four seconds, that's just a good move just to save money and also just bring in some more unproven talent. So I like these moves. I like the moves for all these teams, honestly. Absolutely. And to keel into the what Portland also acquired, and I'm going to go into my favorite trade because I got my boy back. Yes, sir. Pistons, Warriors, and Blazers, and the Hawks, they got a little, they got a little lovey-dovey. So the Pistons got James Wiseman, who I'll get to shortly. Warriors, we got got we got back Gary Payton the second. God bless America, and three conditional future second round picks from Atlanta. The Hawks received Sadiq Bay, highly underrated acquisition, and the Trailblazers received the Knicks legend Kevin Knox and five Mr. future Fortnite. round Mr. Fortnite, Mr. Fortnite, and five future second round picks. I think this trade here between the teams was the most interesting of them all because a lot of teams got. Super high ceiling things going for them. So the Warriors, uh, I mean, as I would know as a Warriors fan and a lot of people would know in general, Wiseman was tinkering with injuries and never really broke into the rotation fully. And Steve Kerr never really gave him that spotlight, bouncing from the Santa Cruz Warriors to the end of the Golden State Warriors bench. So I think it was a matter of time before he got moved. And I think for the Pistons' sake, this is a great acquisition. He can finally find a place where he can ball up, not just be a rebounding, passing big. Because as we know in Golden State, if you want to play the center position, you got to rebound, set hard picks, and pass the ball to Steph Curry. And I think Wiseman is better than that. He, he is. I think he is a great talent that needs just a situation where he can ball up. And I think Pistons, Detroit, is a no better place to do that. Um, I, I wonder how their dynamics going to go with Isaiah Stewart. Is he going to move to the four? Why is he going to play the four? Work their way into the rotation later on. But 
for his play style and his, you know, if he wants to show off his talents, Detroit, awesome for him. Tyler, I'm going to be honest. I hate this move for the Pistons. Really? I, Sadiq Bey, I feel like, Sadiq Bey, I feel like was get, was bound to get traded because he's been, his minutes have been decreasing on the bench yeah. Yeah. with the Pistons. But I feel like they could have traded him so, for someone else. Because I I don't like the Wiseman fit in Detroit. I feel like he could have gone to another like another team that needed a young big man, maybe like the Spurs. But the Pistons have a logjam with young bigs now. They have Isaiah Stewart, who's who's in the same draft class. And don't forget, they have Jalen Duran, which was drafted 13 overall with with um their pick this past this past draft. So where are you gonna find minutes for them? And they already committed, I think they committed to Wiseman starting for this team. Yeah. So I think I would not want to throw Wiseman into the fire like that right away, because Duran's been playing some really good basketball. He and honestly, both of them are him and Stewart are probably better than Wiseman right now. I get that Wiseman has the untapped potential, but I feel like in Detroit there's the logjam of minutes at the center position. I'm not. I feel like if they didn't ha- if they didn't draft Jalen Duran, it would have been a better move. But I feel like Wiseman could have gone somewhere else, or the Pistons could have tried to get someone else from Sadiq Bay. I just think seeing Wiseman and seeing all his clips, and I was really excited when they got him that year. I just know that he could be a really special big in this league. And you're absolutely right, Ben. I totally forgot about Jalen Duran. But I do think Isaiah Stewart's going to hit the bench because at the end of the day, something Detroit lacks is offense from the bigs. And Jalen Duran and Wiseman can provide that. Isaiah Stewart's just this tough guy, hard-nosed, reminds me of the Bill Lambeer type of player. And I think going forward, there is going to be a logjam of minutes, but Wiseman, I think, wins that battle once they realize how good this kid really is. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a reason why he was drafted second overall. His ceiling yeah, is obviously... Yeah. They're going to realize how good this kid is really quickly. But let me go on to what we got, Ben. We got him back, Ben. It took GT2. us a little bit. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm incredibly happy because not only is this guy an awesome player, he's a great locker room presence, an awesome defender. Got bunnies, Ben. He can bounce out the gym. But also, it's it's great because some of the moves that we made freed up a lot of cap space for us. And one of the things that we struggled with is letting Gary Payton go because we couldn't pay him. Now that Portland paid him, we got him back. He has that contract for us now. He's going to be with us. And something we lack a lot is defense on, on guards. And now that we have a phenomenal on-ball defender... I'm going to be very, very happy going forward, and I hope Steph Curry gets back well enough. And now Gary Payne's going to get his minutes, and I'm super stoked. And we also got those three future second-round picks from Atlanta. The thing about those picks is I don't know where Bob Myers is going to be because there's rumor has it he might move on from the GM position in Golden State. I don't know why. But um, if he's there to make those selections with those picks, um, he always has a great eye for talent in the first and second round. We all know Draymond Green drafting the second round. A bunch of other people draft the second round. So um, our drafting is always a great, great part of the franchise. And, you know, we can easily pick up great talent there. Oh, yeah, you definitely can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like that's all the major trades that went down. But I want to talk about a few players that we all thought were going to be traded and probably should have been traded, but it just never happened. And I just wanted, I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors real quickly. Yeah. yeah what ben. the hell are they doing? I, ben, I, I don't know. I, they really, I'm so confused with them. This is the team everyone thought was going to completely blow it up at the deadline. But instead, it looked like they were buying. They got gave up Ken Birch a first and two seconds for Jakob Pertl, getting him back from the Spurs. 
and they didn't they didn't trade OG Ananobi, they didn't trade Gary Trent, they didn't trade Fred Van Vliet. Wh- who everyone thought everyone thought two of those guys at least were gonna be moved. Everyone was looking everyone was eyeing the Raptors for that talent. There are so many teams in on OG Ananobi. Yeah. Just for him not to be moved. And I'm really confused on like what the Raptors were planning to do because the Raptors right now, they I mean they're 26 and 30. They're the 10th seed in the playoff in the play-in right now. So they would be playing in the play-ins the season ended right now. But, but their roster isn't talented enough currently to get over the top. So if they're looking to lose in the play-in, I guess this is this is what they wanted. But I don't know. I just Masai Ujiri shocked me. Absolutely, Ben. I'm I'm with you there. I just think that it was weird that um, there's all this talk of OG Ananubi having this high market value and over half of the teams were looking at him and the fact that Toronto's in this weird space and we thought they were going to blow it up and they have so many pieces to to ship and they just didn't do anything like it's it's very very interesting and um obviously you know we're not uh, GMs or anything maybe yet if that's that's a path we want to take Ben but we don't know the the true market value of some of these guys and maybe some teams just didn't want them you know um there's always those those what if things there's always those little negatives that people have um, a lot of guards got moved around. Maybe everybody's like, oh, we got our guard. We don't need Fred Van Fleet, you know? And um, I-, I don't know where they're sitting right now. I don't know what Nick Nurse's head is at because this isn't a roster that really can't compete. Um, I wonder how Drake feels right now because his team is pretty buns. But I-, 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 I don't know. It's weird. But um, I don't know the contract circumstances currently for the Raptors. I should have did that research prior hand. But um, maybe those all those guys are leaving and it was kind of pointless to move them. And then maybe they're going to go for a long haul tank or a long haul you know rebuild but it is weird because they have a lot of pieces that they can ship and acquire some young or picks and stuff like that but it was really weird really weird but you know this was an awesome deadline and a little quick fact for you ben over 40 second round picks were traded in this deadline you know the amount of second round picks that were moved were just baffling because yeah two or three players that were traded for five second round picks sadiq bay i remember Mm -hmm. uh I think uh, Jay Crowder was traded for five seconds. There was one more player. I forgot who it was, but so many seconds were moved in this deadline. Like, it's crazy. Like, all like you see picks in like 2028, 20, 2029. Like, these got like these guys are like they're cur- these guys. Oh my god! Like, like in middle gonna- school. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. And it's weird because the second round in the 2026, 2027, and 2028 drafts are going to be dominated by like three or four teams because people got to remember the teams that acquired these second round picks are only a couple, right? So the Timberwolves got three second round picks, right? Um, one from the Laker, two from the Jazz. So they, they're controlling drafts in the second round. Uh, the Nets acquiring all those second round picks. Like you're going to see the same team over and over. The Spurs got four second round picks. What's going on? You know, and I, I guess there's a certain, you know, market value now. I guess I guess the second round pick is, is somewhat of a, a more highly sought after commodity uh, currency in the trade market now. But I've never seen so many second round picks just shuffled and moved like that. Yeah, like this, this is a very unique deadline. Yeah, just not not just with the players. Obviously, that was insane. But just I mean, the amount of picks and also guys landing on their old team. That was that was something funny for me. Yeah, yeah, especially the John Wall one. We all we all saw the podcast where he made mention that going to Houston sucked. You know, he was playing with Jay Sean Tate and all these randos. He's like, it was horrible, and somehow ended up back there. I get, I mean, I guess karma's a bitch, but 
it, it, I expect them to buy him out, and he's, he's probably going to be – yeah, he's going to get bought out. But he's also going to be a really sought-after midseason free agent. I think there's a couple of teams that could get him, and I don't know where there's his head's been. Like, there's a lot of guys who are going to get bought out, and I feel like the midseason free agency is almost like a mini summer free agency. There's a lot of talented guys who are going to be on the market. John yeah. Wall, Russell Westbrook, yeah. Serge Ibaka, George Hill, Terrence Ross. I think, Ross he, I think even uh, Danny Green might get bought out by the Rockets as well because oh, the Rockets acquired him yeah. too. Yeah, yeah so bought out. There's a lot. There's a number of talented guys who are going to get Patrick Beverly. I didn't even I didn't even mention him. Yeah, yeah. There's it, a lot it, of it, guys it, who are going to be able to help playoff contenders in free yeah. agency. Absolutely, a lot of like rotational, you know, third to fourth option guys are really going to get picked up and. I think the two big ones is John Wall and Russell Westbrook. And if they go to the right situation, um, it can really shake up things. But I think both guys are going to end up back in the West. And that West playoffs, Ben, it's going to be an absolute show. This this was great. Like, this is going to shake up the playoff picture so much. And I think teams like like the Grizzlies, maybe not that Grizzlies, maybe like I think teams like the Kings are going to regret not making a move because there are so many teams that are going to be on the come up now. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Mavericks are going to be on the come up. The Clippers, the Suns, all the teams are below. The Warriors, Minnesota starting to find their footing now. And even the Lakers. And the, the Kings are currently sitting pretty at the three seed. Shout out to Sacramento. No one thought they were going to be there. but A beam! There's a good chance they're going to drop in the Saints because these teams just got better and the Kings didn't make any moves. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think the the Kings are more worried about the future necessarily because it got really top-heavy in the West. But I think one interesting note we can leave on here, Ben, because I think we covered majority of the trades in this deadline, is that these two conferences, East and West, are very different conferences now. They're so different. The West is now a conference of bought, you know, contracts, free agents. None of these teams were built on anything. They were all manufactured and bought with big boy money. Well, the East was built up, grew up together, drafted. Look at the Celtics. Look at the Heat. Look at all these other – Milwaukee even. It's, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. And once these two teams meet in the finals, it's going to be an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You're going to have a team probably coming out the West that has been made in the past 365 days encountering a team, probably Boston, who was drafted and coached up and grew up together. And it's going to be a really interesting dynamic in the NBA on how these teams are constructed and if it matters at all. Yeah, this is like the playoffs are going to be so interesting. I feel like the East right now is so top heavy. It's it's Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, with the second tier teams being Cleveland, Miami, New York. Those are probably the tier two teams. And then like the Nets are probably going to fall into the tier three just because the, they blew up the roster. They're going to be with the Hawks and the Bulls, yeah. even Toronto. But the West is so deep. There are 13 teams who can very well make the playoffs this year in the fully West. Capable, fully capable. There's only only five games separates 13, four from 13. That's Think wild. about that. That's one, one losing streak and one winning streak can shake up the Western Conference so much. Look at the Pelicans. They just won three. They, they were on a 10-game losing streak and sitting at the 11th seed. They won on a small three-game win streak, and they're back up to seven. It's, it's truly amazing what's going on here in the NBA. And I also think that um, injuries is going to play a big factor. As we all know, KD is not going to play tomorrow. He's, he's nursing an MCL sprain. You know, we have Steph Curry nursing his knee injury and tears. Jalen Brown's dealing with a face fracture. 
Absolutely. So, you know, this is all great on paper, but injuries are playing a major, major factor. And we're going to discuss that, you know, in the coming weeks, uh, injuries in sports possibly. But it's very interesting because it's we're going to have a lot of what ifs if if these injuries become way more apparent. And um, I, I obviously I don't wish that on any athlete. It's very, very sad. But I really hope everybody gets healthy and doesn't prohibit, you know, any like Mickey rings or or, you know, phantom rings or anything like that. But I really want to see the most healthy, the most competitive, and the most epic NBA playoffs I've seen in a minute. Oh, I'm ready. I feel like this is going to be a very fun year for basketball. Absolutely. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Inventory. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And be ready. We're going to have a special edition of the Sports Inventory tomorrow for the Super Bowl. So get ready for that. We're going to have a little doubleheader this weekend. But until then, I'm Ben Kuchipudi. And I'm Tyler, the BK Lover Graham. Guys, have a good night. See you tomorrow. And yep, yes, sir. <laughs>